Hello there, this is Dr. Alan Hedberg with the Psychology Report. Recently I was uh, attracted to a book that was recently published that I think has significance uh, for families and particularly for parents of young people. The book is entitled Faith at Lassus. And then the subtitle was Raising Kids That Don't Leave the Church. Now, it's an interesting title. It was I was attracted to it because of the title, because that is certainly an interesting topic to me, as to why some children grow up in a family where they have a history of church attendance, and then when they come to be about a certain age, they depart and leave. Some return later, some never do. While other kids, in the same kind of environment, same type of situation, raised in the church, as they reach a certain age, they continue to stay in the church and maintain a vital role and leadership role and learning role within the church. So the author, John Nielsen, uh, was attracted to me because he's not only a parent, uh, but he was a pastor of uh, young people in a church, youth pastor. But now he's a uh, chaplain for a uh, ministry, a Christian ministry, in an Ivy League university in the East. And in there he counsels kids of all backgrounds and all uh, religious orientations and uh, at different stages in their life and has accumulated a wealth of knowledge about the way kids look at their own personal faith and how they look at their home life and how they look at their home church and, and how, how they deal with that as they come into the college age years and then go on beyond that. So the book was of considerable significance to me and I apply it not just for the sake of do children stay in the church or do they not as they age, but just what type of parenting is effective in helping children develop a sense of themselves and their own value system and their own faith and their own political orientation and their own judgment and stay with it and maintain that as they approach the adult years. In other words, it's not just whether a child maintains a faith but it's whether a child maintains a lifestyle and an attitudinal style and a value system and a moral system as they leave the home and move into their own independence, whether they go to a college away from home or whether they stay at home during those years. So when I was reading the book, it identifies five different types of parenting styles or five components to parenting that he found to be very effective in the families that uh, were known for their children not only growing up in the church, maintaining a church orientation while they were at home, but maintaining that on into their adult years, young adult years, college years, and then on into their own independence as an adult. So what are those kind of five components that seem to be associated with helping kids in your home stick with the value system, the moral system, the political system, the religious system, the attitudinal system, the value system by which you raise them? Key question. All right, here's his 
five points. Number one is balance. Gary refers to parents who are neither helicopter parents nor parents that let anything go. In other words, there are parents who just hover over and keep their children in a dependent role. And they, uh, they monitor them closely. They almost are militantly uh, controlling over what a child does one in the home and outside of the home. So we found that parents that were effective were not that kind of parent. But they were also not the parent that just let every, anything go. In other words, let the kid have whatever he wants, whatever he wants, it does whatever he wants to do, come home whenever he wants to come home, goes out whenever he wants to go home, goes out, works if he wants to, doesn't work if he doesn't want to, and so on. In other words, total leniency. Those extremes don't work. So that's why he calls it balance. You have to have a little helicoptering, and you have to have a little bit of everything goes, anything goes. I mean, it's, it's that balance between the two, and that's what parents have to reach and maintain and learn how to live their life in the context of their children in a manner of balance of the degree to which they control them, the degree to which they uh, dominate their life and organize their life and be part of their life. Secondly, he introduces the concept of modeling. This happens when a parent's everyday life, the parent's everyday life, matches what that parent expresses and lives like in the context of the church that they attend. In other words, is there consistency? Is there an example here? Or do you live two different lives? You have one life on Sunday in the church, and you have a different life during the week in the home and in the community and your business and your work. In other words, he's pointing out that parents who are effective are the ones that model during the week the life that they model on Sunday. They live during the week the life that they live on Sunday and model that in front of the children on a day-to-day -day basis. It isn't a matter of two different lives, two different value systems, two different ways of thinking or talking or uh, behaving, but it's one way, very consistent as a model in front of the children at all ages, and then on into adult years. Then we have another factor that he raises, and he calls it sharing. This occurs when parents invite many different voices into the lives of their children. They let many people speak into the lives of their children and influence their children. Now, naturally, parents bring a child into a school system and let the child be exposed to the teaching and the attitudes and the values of teachers. And some control that very tightly by charter schools, homeschooling, and so on. But the parents that let their children be influenced by a variety of voices are strong parents, and those kids become strong. It's not just teachers, by the way, but it's voices within the church. It's voices within the community. It's voices within the extended family, voices within the neighborhood, voices within the friendships of the family. In other words, effective parents allow their children to be exposed to the ideas and values and thinking and discussions and comments and ideas of a variety of people. Now that's where 
Kids learn how to think. They learn how to discuss. They learn how to debate. They learn how to make choices. They learn how to accept some things and reject others. It's that comes from that idea of sharing, letting other voices, particularly good, positive, godly voices, come into the life of a child and on into their young adult years. And then, fourthly, Mr. Nelson, uh, Reverend Nelson, introduces what he calls friendship, the friendship factor. You know, parents are not the friends of children, of their children. Children should have their own friends. But parents should be friendly. They should enjoy times with their children. And the children that sense that are the children that come out strong. It's that idea, does a parent enjoy being with their children, and do they convey that to their children? And does a child pick that up and senses that and is aware of that? In other words, that gives a sense of being liked, being appreciated, being valued, belonging, belonging to a family, and being valued within the context of that family. So parents and children have to, need to have a friendship factor but maintain a distance because a parent is never a child's total friend because there are times when a parent has to chastise, time when a parent has to say, no, no, no. There's a time when a parent has to stand up and say, this is not acceptable. And friends don't do that. Friends just let anything happen. And that's not right. And that's not good. That's not effective. So be friendly, but don't be the friend. They have other friends. And then lastly, his point is that is what he refers to as gospel, but I refer to as culture. And what he means by that is that every child is in the, raised in the context of a culture. And um, in the culture, there are values and there are morals. And what is important is that a child not necessarily um, just become a moral child, but, but moral plus, if you will. To raise a child that has a keen sense of morality, a very impersonal and keen sense of integrity, a very important and personal sense of, of uh, right and wrong, of good and bad, of what's in the best interest of the child or of oneself for the future. The other day I was talking to a family, to a parent, and he made the comment, the father made the comment that what he was doing was not wrong. And I agree that it wasn't wrong. There was nothing wrong with what he did. But it was not in the interest. It was not in the best interest of the marriage. It was not in the best interest of family life of what he was doing. So there's a difference between doing something that is moral and doing something that is in the best interest of everybody. There's a difference between just doing something that is not necessarily wrong yeah, that's important. Stay away from stuff that's not right. If it's wrong, stay away from it. But there's another value, judgment here, and that is what's in the best interest? What's in the best interest of the marriage and the family? So that's the context in which our author, uh, author Nielsen, kind of puts this book and uh, has advice for parents, advice for parents of young children, advice for parents of adolescent kids, and then certainly parents who have kids on into the college years. These are guidelines. 
These aren't factors that have to be, but they're guidelines and they'll be helpful if a parent adopt these particular guidelines. And what a kid wants from a church, by the way, he goes on to add in another, in another chapter of his book, what do kids want from the church? They want authenticity. They want the church to live a life that's authentic, that's, that's believable, that's trustable, that's acceptable. But they also want a church that has community service available and built into it. So there's a sense of, of extension beyond oneself and beyond the four walls of a church. And of course, they want to have an opportunity within the church to have their questions answered, to have a sense of uh, apologetics within the church, so that, that questions about faith, the questions about belief, questions about the Bible can be raised in a safe context without criticism, without put-down, but answered in the context of Scripture and biblical writ and what is church history and church theology. Kids want answers to their questions. And where do they go? And often within a church, they do not find either the opportunity to raise questions or somebody to answer their questions. And that's what they're looking for. And if it isn't there, they leave. So, great book. You may want to pick it up. It's got a lot of ideas. And it's and you apply it, not just between a child and whether he stays in the faith or not, and stays in the church or not, but parents uh, raising kids at all ages of life where they maintain an, a, a life of integrity, a life of value and uh, competency, and uh, go on to be a person of influence, a person of achievement, and a person of balance throughout the rest of their life. This has been the Psychology Report. Now, before I leave today, again, I'd like to bring to your attention the Pompe disease. Pompe disease is a rare and debilitating genetic disease affecting both adults and children. Although the age of onset and severity of symptoms vary, it's mostly in the younger years, however, most patients experience progressive muscle weakening and breathing difficulty. That's the key factor in Pompe disease. The progressive muscle weakening and breathing difficulty, which results in the loss of strength in the diaphragm, the muscle which supports the lung. In addition, infants with Pompe experience cardiac problems due to the weakening of the cardiac muscle. So what I'd like to introduce you to is the United Pompe Foundation. This is a foundation that was formed to assist patients and their families with medical costs and other expenses, even like gas to get to a doctor's office. These patients experience a number of expenses that they're not able to cover or to fully cover through their insurance or through their own means, and they need assistance. And that's where the Pompeii Foundation comes in. So I would suggest here, you go to their website and look it up www.unitedpompey, P-O-M-P-E, unitedpompey.com. Look it up, learn about it, and you know what? Send them a couple bucks. They would love to have that, and they'll make good use of it, and it'll help a lot of kids that are really struggling with this disease. Nice to have you with me, and bye for now.